Straight across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's Catholic. From the nation's capital to the sunshine state. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Monday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday edition. Happy uh, Memorial Day. That sounds very weird to say happy Memorial Day. Considering what it is we are uh, memorializing, what we are remembering, the death, the last full measure of so many who have given their lives in combat for others so that others might live. I, over the weekend, I watched the movie, The Last Full Measure. It had a stellar cast, actually, Samuel L. Jackson. There was just so many people in this film. Uh, and uh, it was an inspirational story based on a true story of, a, of an airman in Vietnam who who gave his life to to save these army grunts. And it took decades before he was finally uh, recognized for his heroism and awarded posthumously the Medal of Honor. It's called The Last Full Measure. And uh, I would recommend you watch it. Now, it wasn't the most greatest produced film, I would have to say. It felt a little mechanical. But the story is very inspiring, so you should check that out. But today we're going to be talking about Memorial Day, as well as we have some pro-life news with Teresa Kamara, who's here. Tim Mott is off. David Magianis is off. Adrian Fonseca is here. But I'm going to share with you some stories, maybe some that you've never heard, <clears throat> maybe that you have. I don't know. We're going to find out. But in our guest segment, we're going to be interviewing Zachariah Long from the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. The TFP, Student Action. Have you heard of these guys? Let me tell you something. For the past several years, they've been holding the front line against uh, these uh, story times at uh, at uh, public libraries where the transgender people will sit there and read to these children in drag. I mean, it's just horrific to see that. They've been protesting and praying outside of those. Uh, black masses, they've been there as well on the front lines, and we'll we'll get a... We'll get a story behind that. Who are these people? What are they all about? Why do they do it? But also, what brought them to my attention this weekend was this, the, uh, this video that I saw on YouTube called The Ballad of an American Knight. <clears throat> and when it was sent to me, it reminded me of the late, great Doug Pearson, who uh, was a friend and a colleague here at the Guadalupe Radio Network who died uh, several years ago now of cancer. Uh, Marine. You know, he was seven foot tall and massive and just this big, strong guy. And it was a painful process to watch Doug wither away in his final days. And I stood by his bedside just a couple of days before he passed. And he embraced his crucifix. And he took it with every ounce of strength he had left. And as I was crying by his bedside, begging the Lord to take away his cross, Doug looked at me and he said, Who are you to take away the cross my Lord has given to me? Doug told me I was supposed to read the story of Colonel Ripley, and I never did. And when I saw this video recounting the heroic tale of this incredible Catholic, Colonel Ripley, under combat, it reminded me of Doug. 
And so I thought we'd, we'd talk about that today, and I'll share a piece of that ballad, too, with you later in the show. But we'll be talking with Zachariah Long from TFB, who put the video together and put that out. We'll be talking to them as well. But we're going to get through some news, uh, for pro-life news, and some stories in honor of Memorial Day first. Let's begin with prayer. <clears throat> in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now, we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those here who gave their lives, that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hollow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here, have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or to detract. The world will little note, nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here, dedicated to the great task, remembering, remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they here gave the last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall not or shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Unquote. Abraham Lincoln. At the Battle of Gettysburg, or at least four months later, November of 1863, remembering the so many that died that day on July 4th, there in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. It reminded me of another story of another person almost 150 years ago today, almost. It was uh, May 24th, 1863, just outside Vicksburg, Mississippi. Grant was contemplating a second all-out assault on the strongest, most fortified city in America during the Civil War, Vicksburg, Mississippi, like a castle perched high above the mighty Mississippi River. It commanded and controlled the flow of traffic up and down that mighty river. And Grant, who was a rehabilitated army officer, uh, who uh, left the army before the war started as an alcoholic, ruined his family's business, and found himself training uh, reservists as the war broke out. 
was given a command, a field command, of the Army of the Tennessee Valley. And the winter leading into 1863, he pushed that army as hard as he could through the swamps of Louisiana to find a way to get onto soil in Mississippi to take this most coveted prize. As Abraham Lincoln would say, the key to winning the war was Vicksburg. And Grant was so motivated, so driven to take this city that he would ignore orders from Washington and he would pursue Vicksburg with everything he had. But on eight, on uh, May 24th, 1863, he was going to throw everything he had at the most fortified city in the country who had sat high above on their their perch, fortified works, trenches, fields of fire. They had everything, the, the Confederates had everything to their advantage, and the Union Army had everything against them. A few days earlier, uh, Sherman tried and lost uh, several thousand men in the attempt and was unsuccessful at penetrating the city uh, fortifications. So Grant was going to try one more time, this time with everything he had. All up and down the line, he was going to throw it out. But on May 24th, the day before the decisive action, he knew that he had to ask men to do something that very few men would probably volunteer for. They would have to volunteer to die in order that others may live. So he called for 150 volunteers. He said they had to be single. They could not be married. They could not have children because they would likely die. 300 men volunteered. And of them, one man by the name of Joseph LaBille was uh, in their ranks. He was a private in the 6th Missouri Infantry. Or I, I said uh, May 24th. I meant May 21st. It was May 21st, 1863, when he volunteered, along with 150 other men. They called themselves the Forlorn Hope, and they knew that they were not going to live very long. Their mission was on the morning of May 22nd, 1863, right at 10 a.m., when all battlefield commanders had coordinated their watches with Grant the first time in the history of the world to do so, the cannons, having fired for two solid hours, would stop precisely at the stroke of 10 a.m., and the Union Army would charge all up and down the line simultaneously. But their job, the forlorn hope, was to charge the enemy lines, not with rifles, not with bombs, not with knives or or hand-to-hand combat, but carrying logs to put these logs across a trench that was about six to seven foot wide and about uh, six feet deep, right in front of the long hill that would go up, and on top of that moat would be uh, a fortified work, and up there would be the Confederate Army, and they would be dropping bombs and shooting, and uh, and the chaos would ensue. And they knew that if they could build this bridge over these trenches, this moat, that the regiments that came behind them would have a good shot at getting up to the works in order to penetrate the lines. But they had to do so under heavy enemy fire without defending themselves. These men who volunteered for this job knew that they would likely not make it. And most of them didn't. But Joseph LaBille, whom you've never even heard of, a Catholic made the sign of the cross and charged, and he was cut down by the enemy. Those that survived that day lived six hours in the trenches, 
huddling, trying to survive. They would throw bombs into the trenches, and they would desperately grab them and throw them back for six straight hours. There are many men like that. Joseph was one of them. Medal of Honor recipient for his heroic deeds that day, along with many others. Google it. Battle of Vicksburg. Medal of Honor winners. Look it up. The Forlorn Hope. No greater love hath any man than to lay down his life for a friend. It reminds me of another incredible Catholic who died and gave his life in combat. Servant of God, Father Vincent Cappadano, a married old priest, went to Fordham University, came from a, a good family, one of nine kids. It wasn't, it wasn't until his freshman year in college that he had uh, let it slip to his friend that he wanted to become a priest. He felt called. He was reading the Mary Knoll magazine, Field Afar, every day on his uh, ferry ride to college. And he'd read about the heroic tales of missionaries in foreign lands in China, Asia, sharing the, the good news to souls that desperately needed an encounter with Christ. He felt a zeal to share and to evangelize and to make disciples of all nations. And after he was ordained a priest, he went to the missionary fields in Taiwan, up into the mountains, up until the refugees, the, uh, the special uh, group of, they were Chinese refugees that came to Taiwan and they were rejected by the local people. They lived up in the mountains. They had their own dialect and father forced himself to learn their language and catechize them build a chapel, and provide them the sacraments. Mary Noel moved him to Hong Kong, and he was a head of a boys' school, which he didn't like. It was too comfortable. It was too clean. It was too nice. It's too easy. And then Vietnam broke out, and he asked his superiors if he could become a chaplain in the Navy. And they finally granted him permission, and he joined the Navy, and he was shipped off to Vietnam to be a, a chaplain for the for the Marines in 1966, he earned the Bronze Star for his actions in several combat initiatives in that year. He was known for being that guy that no matter what was going on, if they were standing guard in the middle of the night, there was Father Vincent Capadano standing guard next to the Marines. If they were humping, you know, heavy Alice packs through the thick, nasty jungles and the humid and the heat, he was humping right next to them with his Alice pack on and there next to them Every time, everywhere, no matter what was going on, and when the combat broke out, Father Vincent refused to stay behind in the safe places. He would be in the battlefield, moving from Marine to Marine, carrying the wounded back to safety, rendering first aid and praying over the dead and the dying. Those that were Catholic would receive last rites. Those that weren't, he would pray with them, pray over them. They are Father. He would say to them frequently, God is with us all this day. Well, in September of 1967, the North Vietnamese army was determined to interrupt the elections in South Vietnam. So uh, they uh, amassed a great force and they were they were on the, uh, the, the verge of a great combat. And Father Vincent could feel it on September 3rd, 1967. He felt there was something that was going to happen and he spent all night in prayer praying for those that would die the next day. And then uh, when the news came that there was a platoon engaged with 2,000 enemy North Vietnamese Army soldiers, 
He jumped a helicopter to ride out there with the relief force. And he found himself walking with these Marines into this combat situation. And they were at a knoll. And there was a man by the name of Ray Harton, a Marine, a young Marine who acted as father's altar server the previous day. And he was with Ray on September 4th, 1967. And they were at this knoll, and they could hear just over this knoll the heavy and intense fire. This platoon was penned down, and many were already wounded and dying, heavily outnumbered and overran. And up over the top of this knoll was a sergeant by the name of Sergeant Pete, a Russian Orthodox fella. And Sergeant Pete said, Marine, you and you and you, follow me. We've got to go take out a machine gunner. Harden was one of those Marines. And they go over the knoll, and uh, Father Vincent follows them. He doesn't stay behind where it's safe. He follows them over the knoll and into the combat. And what he witnesses is this crazy carnage. You see, he spent several hours that day going from foxhole to foxhole, rendering aid, carrying wounded Marines back to safety, ignoring his own safety, ignoring the fact that there's bullets flying all around him, mortars going off all around him. In fact, half of his right hand was blown off from a mortar shell. He had been shot through the arm, his right arm. It was pretty much useless. He was holding it tight to his body, but he refused first aid. He even gave up his own gas mask to a Marine who had lost his because they were dropping uh, CS canisters onto uh, the battlefield in order to try to get some of those NVA soldiers off of the wounded and the dying Marines. When one uh, soldier lost or his his rifle became not operable, uh, Father Vincent picked up a rifle and carried it over to him and told him to keep fighting. And he would say, at one after the other, going from foxhole to foxhole to foxhole, calm, cool, and collected, as if there was nobody shooting and firing that day, he would look them in the eye and say, Marine, God is with us all today. It's going to be okay. And he would assure them. To the dead he prayed. To the Catholics he gave last rites. Well, Harton got wounded in their effort to take out that machine gunner. Sergeant Pete got mortally wounded. Father Vincent spent five minutes with him in his last dying breath, praying the Our Father with him. He ran to Harton's side afterwards, and the corpsman, a corpsman by the name of Leal, which is a medic in the Navy, he got shot through the leg, several feet away, was screaming out for help. Horton thought he was going to die. His blood was pumping out of his body as his heart was pounding. It just pumped it harder. I'm going to read with you, read to you very quickly here a little uh, testimony of uh, Ray Horton, who was there that day. He said, quote, I spotted our corpsman Doc Leal moving my way under fire. He looked at me, and he was alone. I thought everyone else was dead. I prayed to God, for I knew I was bleeding to death, and the NVA were near. I expected a bullet or a bayonet at any moment. As I closed my eyes, someone touched me. When I opened my eyes, he looked directly at me. It was Father Vincent Capadano. Everything got still. No noise, no firing, no screaming. A peace came over me that is unexplainable to this day. In a quiet and calm voice, he cupped the back of my head and said, Stay quiet, Marine. You will be okay. 
Someone will be here to help you soon. God is with us all this day. I noticed he had a lot of blood on his head and his face. His right hand, covered with dirty and bloody bandages, was almost gone. So he blessed me with his left hand. I heard a scream close by. My leg! My leg! I was jolted back to my senses. It was Doc Leal who was sitting holding his leg just a few feet from me. Father Capadano leaped up and ran to Doc. As he supported Doc, Leal, the machine gun that I was supposed to destroy, opened up, killing them both. As the first bullet from that gun entered the back of Father Capadano's head, I knew I had failed in my mission. That was the last time I saw Father Vincent Capadano, but it wasn't my first. Unquote. That was from the Grunt Padre, Servant of God, by uh, Father Daniel Mode. I encourage you to pick it up and uh, read it for yourself. Ray Harton would leave the faith and struggle with the mental wounds that he suffered, the emotional wounds that he suffered, the PTSD that he suffered for many, many years. It was because of Father Daniel Mode researching the life of Father Vincent Capadano that led, that put things in place for Harton to come back to the faith, to go to confession, to receive healing in the sacrament, to hear those beautiful words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ say, so sweetly, I absolve you. So many. So many have given so much. The last full measure. Let us not forget them this day. Rather than barbecues and um, the days off, or the coronavirus, or the bills, or the stresses that we have in life, let's take just a moment. Let's just take a moment. And think of those that have given so much. The last full measure. Amen. Amen. All right. Teresa Kamara. Yes. Brighten up our day. Bring us to something more positive. Well, first off, I would like to say also thank you to all the military families. um, Because you have lost something very precious in the life of these people. It's not like they're alone. Um, And thank you, Joe, for your service as a Marine. Um, and I want to also send out a thank you to um, my family members who served and to um, uh, my friends who have also served in the Navy and the Air Force and the Army. And um, I know some of them have come back with a lot of trauma from seeing their friends that have passed away in a war situation. And it's very, it's very hard to to see that. Um, but the thing is, I know it's not Veterans Day, but we also want to really draw close to those who have family members and who have friends who, who died because, um, they are, they have this brother camaraderie. They have this, you know, sister camaraderie that you cannot find anywhere else. And I know, um, even as I'm praying outside of the abortion facility, I actually have had military families come out and um, one gentleman I'm thinking of specifically said um, I've never had this level of camaraderie ex- since the military and I can guarantee you the level of stress that we're under out there is nothing like nothing at all compared to the stress that, that they suffer through together and that they work together so um, thank you Joe for your service and also 
Um, as far as here in the pro-life movement, you know, we do believe that we are standing strong with our military families in the sense of defending freedom for the youngest among us and for the for the wives in some cases, for mm. the military personnel that we have seen people in uniform going into the abortion facility. And we'll remind them, you know, like we don't want to see anyone left behind. We want to be there for for them. Um, and so it's very important uh, to continue to, to uphold the freedoms that we have here in the United States as citizens, because while they're fighting abroad in many cases, we need to be able to stand up, whether it's for religious freedom, you know, through defending the ability for us to go to mass or whether it is the right to life itself. Um, and so right now we're also um, the pro-life movement is very much engaged in a specific defense of a the name of Norma McCorvey as a documentary has come out called A.K.A. Jane Roe. And Joe, I actually didn't tell you this, but I actually sang at her funeral. Really? Yes, I sang at her funeral. And so I remember being there with Karen Garnett, and I saw that there were so few people, and there was so little media. There was only one cameraman there, and I said, what's going on? Like, is there something, like, is there a secret? Like, I know that we all want to be protective. I mean, I saw Mark Crutcher from Life Dynamics, and I saw um, the Grams from Texas Right to Life. I actually sang um, with Veronica Arnold from Texas Right to Life. I really? saw Joe Poyman from, um, I saw Joe Poyman from Texas Alliance for Life. I saw Karen Garnett, of course, um, who is now um, working another pro-life group, but she was at the time working with, um, the Diocese of Dallas in Respect Life and, and leading 40 people in just in that ministry. And the reality is um, what she told me um, was, oh, well, we wanted to make sure that the Norma did not want um, everything to be publicized. Mm. She wanted to be able to live that pro- private life. Um, her daughter, Melissa, who was her first child, was there leading the funeral. She wanted it to be private. She didn't want a lot of old stuff being brought forward, you know, from her life before she was in the pro-life movement. She didn't want to deal with all of that. And she just wanted it to be able to just kind of have that peaceful repose of it being sincere. And the funeral was, um, Flip Benham actually spoke at the funeral with his Bible in place. And it was just, it brought back all of these memories of, wow. of, you know, reading and, and watching her on TV from, you know, one by love. And the reality is what fascinated me always, you know, growing up in the pro-life movement was that when Norma McCorvey came out of the abortion industry and she actually came out because Flip Benham apologized to mm. her for being so harsh. And um, basically he had said, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself for, you know, causing, bring, helping bring about the legalization of abortion. And when he apologized for being so harsh, she began to realize, like, that he was human and he was treating her as a human being and that he loved her. And she was also very inter- interactive with a little girl named Emily. And she talks about the love that this child out on the sidewalk had shown her. And the reality is that we need to be that light of love for these abortion workers. And we need to, whenever we're getting frustrated and we're seeing that Norma McCorby's, um, her, her name is being drugged through the mud, basically mm. as she was, um, caught in this, um, series, you know, we need to keep in mind that this is an opportunity to show love and forgiveness 
for the abortion workers. And this gives us the opportunity once again to talk about the fact that abortion is actually killing a child and harming women. And so um, I highly recommend, and I'm going to put up a link to this, that you read over what Priests for Life have posted on the documentary itself, Mm. and because they have watched it, and also um, on what they were saying previously, and how they talk about their 22 years of knowing her, and how that life... um, affirming culture helped to heal her over time and that she was a very complex person and that she um, in many ways just she even says in some of the documentaries that I've seen um, and I've seen this more than once where she says you know I came from the other side of the track she didn't feel like she was one of the smartest people in the pro-life movement and so um, she in many ways was protected and was helped and I actually one of the things that keeps coming up is wow she made almost half a million dollars like but <laughs> through the pro-life movement okay well FYI I mean I did a little bit of calculations if she got ten dollars an hour ten dollars an hour for 15 years that's plus the eighty thousand for a book signing. That's almost the four. That's almost a half a million dollars right there, and that doesn't count any speaking engagements or stuff. Right. Okay, who's gonna call ten mil, You know, ten dollars an hour. This huge. You know, <laughs> wow, that's so much money. You know, like, you know. So, so just keep in mind the fact that however the calculations work, you know, even if Norma McCorvey somehow did change her mind, which there's a lot of evidence showing that she did not. Um, there's a lot, and you can read, like I said, read free. It seems life. highly manipulated. It's very, very likely that she was. That it was either a twisting of the camera recording or that. Um, and I think Father Provone actually provided screenshots of his, te- his final text messages with mm-hmm. Norma prior to her death. So well, and she called Abby Johnson. Abby Johnson yeah. actually talked about it that on that, Friday with Dave Palmer. Yes. Yeah. And so, um, why would she be encouraging the pro-life movement to say? Right. Keep up the fight that I've been saying against to end abortion, against Roe v. Wade, um, literally an hour before she passes away. Yeah. That's her deathbed confession. Mm-hmm. It's continue to defend the unborn, continue to fight for women. Well, here in just about a couple of minutes from now, we are going to be talking with Zachariah Long from uh, the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. Uh, before we do that, though, we're going to be sharing with you a little segment uh, from the Ballad of the American Night. And so I'll play a few minutes of that. But so uh, maybe we can come back to this, uh, Teresa, sure. in the after show. So we do an after show, and we go off the air at 9 a.m. Central Time across the Guadalupe Radio Network. We stay on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, YouTube for about another half hour to talk about the issues that we've discussed on the show and the after show. I encourage you to stick around for that. But first, I present to you just a little snippet, a portion of TFP's Ballad of the American Night, based on Colonel Ripley. And we'll talk more about that in just a few minutes from now. Stay with us. March disposed with tanks and soldiers massed upon that Easter day. Donga with its massive priests, their means for charging on their way. Ripley and his men remained intent to stop them in their tracks. Days of constant fire and combat left no moment to relax. Blow the bridge or we're all dead was Colonel Turley's stern command. Ripley wasted little time, his mission cleared the hour at hand. 
Heavy TNT he hoisted, dangling from the beams outspread. Climbing high to razor wire while bleeding, this is all he said. Jesus, Mary, get me there. Jesus, Mary, get me there. No time to waste, no time to spare. Jesus, Mary, get me there. Jesus, Mary, get me there. Jesus, Mary, get me there. No time to waste, no time to spare. Jesus, Mary, get me there. Back and forth a dozen times he laid the charges as he went. Dodging bullets from the foe to kill him, now they're one in ten. When at last he set the charges on those I-beams underneath. Lacking means to crimp the wires, he used his only tool, his teeth. Too much pressure and he knew that he'd be gone forevermore. Carefully he clamped each one, then fell down, half it back on shore. Just then Major Smart ran up the fuses and their wires found. Ripley laid his back of charge and these few words is only sound. Jesus, Mary, get me there. Welcome back to GR on a Live Monday edition. That was a little segment from the Ballad of the American Night by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition and Family and Property. Before I bring Zachariah Long on to discuss the TFP and this ballad, the life of Colonel Ripley and his heroic action uh, in, in Vietnam, and his life as a Catholic as well, I wanted to say uh, I encourage you to check out our website, grnonline.com. We've rolled out a new one, if you don't know. And we just recently updated it to include a new feature. So when you go to grnonline.com and you allow the browser to know your location, I promise I won't sell your information to Apple or Microsoft. Bill, get none of them. Google, I won't give it to anybody. But what it will do is it will customize your experience based on your location. So the local contact information, the local radio station, the local events. But if you look in the far top left corner, you'll see the feature to choose. Your station. So if you'd like to listen to or see what we're doing elsewhere within the Guadalupe Radio Network, just hit that drop down and you can choose, you know, any one of our 37 stations, even in Spanish as well. So check that out, grnonline.com. Joining us by phone right now is Zachariah Long from the American Society for the Defense of Tradition and Family and Property. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Praise be to Jesus. It's good to have you on, especially to talk about Memorial Day. Uh, before we dive into the ballad and the American Night, let's start with TFP. Who is the TFP? Yeah. And maybe you can give us like the elevator pitch on uh, the background. Right. Absolutely. Well, uh, the TFP is a it's a really uh, great and, and and large organization, uh, international. But like you said, just the elevator pitch. So we're um, Tradition, family, and property, they are the, you know, the pillars of a Christian civilization. And our founder, Professor Plinio, uh, his goal was to fight to defend what's left of and restore Christian civilization. So ultimately, all of our activities are focused around that. So we do many, many things. We organize um, 23,000 public square rosary rallies across the country every October 13th. I'm sorry, the Saturday closest to October 13th. Mm. Uh, we do many activities. Another activity, we work with the youth uh, because they are our future. 
And so we have a call to chivalry camps for boys. Um, uh, we do, we organize protests right now. We're, we're heavily involved in the, uh, in, in handing out leaflets and flyers at, uh, universities that are open, that is right now. Hmm. Um, protesting socialism because right now, as you know, socialism is a really a, a key issue, a hot topic in our, our national debate right now. Um, so we we get involved in in the uh, in the civil uh, debate and try to orient and steer uh, society towards Christian civilization towards which of course you cannot have that without the Catholic Church. Um, so of course we're all Catholics and um, lay Catholics like yourself. Well, I tell you, some of the activities that have inspired me quite a bit uh, related to the TFB yes. have been uh, the protests outside of, uh, of public yes. libraries where the transgenders will come in and they will redo story hours to these kids. Yes. And it, it's it's insane to think that that's going on. And uh, it's been uh, refreshing to see that a group of Catholics have come together to say this isn't right. It's not right for those suffering yeah. with this transgenderism. It's not right for those that will be exposed to this sort of manipulation. And someone needs to be there to pray. It reminds me of the incredible Catholics who will pray outside of the abortion clinic. I know, Teresa, that's near and dear to you and your work and your life. And so I think the TFP has been very inspirational that way. Well, the TFP has actually in Houston been very involved in coming out and praying outside of the huge Planned Parenthood that, that is here in Houston. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, praise God for that. Yeah, uh, that yes. And not to mention, when Adrian and I were out in front of the Black Mass here in the Houston area, the TFP was uh, proudly yeah, represented was there, uh, and, uh, yeah. and and went back even afterwards uh, and stayed there in the, in the middle of the night when it was even more uh, insane. So, uh, lots to be thankful for in that regard. Zachariah, how far, you mentioned that they're international, but maybe you can give us a real quick scope of where is the organization in uh, in the United States? How many states are represented within the TFP? Yeah, absolutely. So here in the United States, our headquarters is in Pennsylvania, um, and we have several uh, uh, centers in Pennsylvania. We have uh, one in Herndon, Pennsylvania. It's actually a school, a boys' boarding school called St. Louis de Montfort Academy. Um, and then we have a center in Washington, D.C., um, <clears throat> they have a big job there. Uh, and then we have centers in the south. Here in the south, we have centers in Houston. Uh, we have center in Lafayette, Louisiana, and mm. a center in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, we have a center in Florida, two centers in California, north and south, and a center in Chicago. And so all these centers, the numbers of our, our, our volunteers, our full-time volunteers vary at each one, but more or less an average of four members at each center. Um, and so everybody's and then, a volunteer. Uh, There's no full-time, uh, I, I guess, employees, for lack of a better term. Correct. We're not paid. Uh, we are full-time volunteers, so it, it's a special calling for each one of us. Um, uh, we we intend on, on staying with the organization and volunteering our life for it. Mm. Uh, you can you can leave. You can come and go if you want, um, because you know it's it's a you you don't take vows or anything like that. But uh, yes, yes, we are. We're uh, full time. We don't get paid. We're <clears throat> provided our our necessities by the organization. We're talking with Zachariah Long with the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. And uh, so my good friend and uh, colleague here on the Jaron Live Monday show, Adrian Fonseca, who has been our intern now for the past several months. 
although is very close to graduating college uh, and may have to leave us as a result. Well, just for the record, I, I did graduate college. I have my papers now. You, have, you have papers? I do. I'm, I'm kind of an intellectual now. See, I was going to call some, some of your professors and, and scuttle that to keep you longer. You, you waited too long. Um, I did. I yeah. missed that. That ship has sailed, apparently. So he sent me, he texted me uh, a link to this YouTube video, The Ballad of the of an American Knight. <clears throat> and uh, as soon as he did, uh, first time I tried to see it, it was not available. He had to find it on a different YouTube channel and sent that to me. And I watched it finally. And and it, it kind of struck me because uh, years ago, uh, a good friend, colleague here at the Guadalupe Radio Network, Doug Pearson, um, who died of cancer. Uh, it was a very difficult process to watch him die. Well, before he died, uh, he did a couple things for me. He handed me a rosary, and he challenged me to pray it every day with my family. And the other thing he did, he told me to read the book of the American Knight, Colonel Ripley. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and um, I'm proud to say that I have taken him up on his uh, on his challenge, and I have... I've read, I ra- rather, I've prayed the rosary with my family every day since Doug challenged me. But I am ashamed to say that I've never read the book. And, he, and here is Adrian sending me this link, and I'm like, oh, you're trying to shame me. I see how you're doing it. You just, you're trying to stick it to me. I, I got you, buddy. But I, uh, I, it reminded me. It was a wake-up call. It was like I needed to do this. Doug asked me to do it. I should have done it. I haven't done this. And uh, so it was a great reminder to me. And I thought it was uh, particularly uh, good timing given Memorial Day. Even though Ripley did not give his life in combat, he did not die during his, uh, during his combat, uh, but he did something very heroic nonetheless, and it was linked uh, incredibly to his faith. And I think that is still a very good message on Memorial Day. So, Zachariah, maybe you could share with us the story of Colonel Ripley, what he did, and how his faith played a part. Oh, absolutely. I'm really honored to share Colonel Ripley's story. I can't tell you how much I admire the man. I'm not the only one, obviously. Um, So um, the book, An American Night, tells the story of Colonel Ripley, and it's written by a member of our organization, TFT. And Colonel Ripley, like you said, is the ultimate role model, especially a great war hero to remember today, um, especially on a Catholic radio. He was a great Catholic, uh, a, a Catholic warrior in the spiritual life, which of course made him an incredible warrior on the physical battlefield. Mm. He, uh, he fought in Vietnam, uh, on several deployments in 1972. He was an advisor in, in Vietnam for a South Vietnamese Marine battalion. And, uh, probably the most famous story of Colonel Ripley is when he blew up the Don Hob Bridge. And uh, that, that kind of, you know, synthesized Colonel Ripley's heroics. And so it, it was during the Easter Offensive in 1972, and essentially he and his South Vietnamese Marine Battalion were the only ones in the way of the Easter Offensive. So, you know, hundreds of thousands of North Vietnamese uh, trying to cross uh, this one bridge where he, Colonel Ripley and his Marines were were told to stand and hold and die if necessary. So long story short, Colonel Ripley, he had to blow up the bridge. That was their only hope was to blow up the bridge to stall the Easter offensive. Mm. And um, this was a fortified bridge, so it, it wasn't just like, you know, shooting a tank round at it and blowing it up. No, it was he had to place strategically place satchel charges 
underneath the bridge at, you know, strategic spot to make sure the whole bridge would blow. So that's what he did. But, uh, so in order to get underneath the bridge, um, he had to hand walk, uh, hanging from the I-beams uh, of the bridge. So it was about 100 feet. So he had to hand walk 100 feet, placing satchel charges, TNT explosives, in between the, uh, the I-beam flanges. <clears throat> and then, and he did that head that several times. So he placed the explosives, hand walked back, <clears throat> um, had to get the, uh, the blasting caps for the explosives. He yeah. had to hand walk out 100 feet, place those he basically hand walked several times back and forth to rig the explosives and at a certain point colonel ripley said uh these are his words the only way i was going to be able to do this was simply to ask god to come along with me mm. and so he, he made the prayer he created a prayer kind of like a marine uh cadence chant uh he created the prayer jesus mary get me there Jesus, Mary, get me there. So there he is, hanging from the bridge, hand-walking, placing these explosives. And, and also, I didn't mention, but there were North Vietnamese on the other side of the river firing at him um, as he's hand-walking underneath the bridge. Wow. So the, you know, you have small arms fire, and his, his buddies in the, in the South Vietnamese Marine Battalion are, are also trying to, to help them. They're, they're shooting back, uh, providing some covering fire, but, but he was getting small arms fire, and eventually a tank round even hit close to him and wow. almost knocked him off the bridge. And Mr. Zachariah, oh, yeah. uh, talk about the, uh, the they forgot he uh, didn't have a crimper to uh, crimp the uh, explosives. Yeah. Um, talk about that a little Thank bit. You, yeah. yeah, so so he got all the explosives rigged, and then he had to crimp them, uh, which I don't know, you know, basically that means he had to set them ready to explode. And, um, but he didn't have the tool. So... Uh, he had been through ranger school and, and, and ranger school, they had taught him to use their teeth. Mm. But like Adrian was saying, that wasn't so easy that if you crimped, if you, if you press down too hard, um, you could set the explosive and your butting on it. So you, you'd be jelly at that point. Um, so he had to do that with his teeth. He had to crimp the explosive with his teeth. Um, you know, at least, at least 10 of those, um, and he did all of them perfectly. He he, he did it perfectly. Um, so it, it was uh, absolutely incredible. Several things. Be- before he crawled out to the bridge, he had to crawl through concertina wire. So his feet were were torn up. Um, and then when he was hand walking, he had forgotten to take off his equipment. So he had his rifle. He had you know you know his all of his military equipment, hmm. his magazines. Wow. That's heavy, really heavy. So. He was holding his own weight as well as, you know, the weight of his equipment. Uh, absolutely incredible. But I think what's most important, what's most beautiful is the prayer he came up with. And it's such a mm. very easy, very, you know, down-to-earth prayer. But in moments of danger, it's it's what we need to pray to get us through it. And he's a really good example for yeah. us Catholics, for, for everyone. We're talking with Zachariah Long from the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP. 
And uh, we're talking about this incredible story of an American knight, Colonel Ripley. And uh, and I posted, if you're interested in some of the links that we're discussing today, even though Tim Mott is not in today, he's off for Memorial Day, and so is David Magianis, uh, we're, we're sort of making do here. So I have been posting links in our live chat going on on the Facebook side. So if you're interested, you can go to facebook.com forward slash GRN online, and you can see today's episode of GRN Live Monday and you can see the links that I'm posting there. Uh, but I posted links to the ballad, to the video to the ballad. I've also posted a link to the book, uh, The American Night, as well, and and also stories related to what I talked about earlier, uh, especially about Vicksburg and uh, Joseph LaBille and, and Vincent, Father Vincent Capadano. And uh, so we're talking about hero- heroic uh, combination between faith and uh, the difficulties that we have to face, the challenges in life. And I gotta, to, to wrap the coronavirus into all of this, if there's a way to do that, I'm about to try. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I've personally struggled with in all of the, in all of what we've been dealing with the last several months is there just seems to not really be a lot of supernatural faith going around. It seems like we have a very pragmatic, very practical outlook on all of our challenges in life, but not enough supernatural faith. And I, I think of Father Vincent Capadano. And the many testimonies from eyewitness accounts that said he walked upright from foxhole to foxhole, bullets whizzing by his head. And he would look in them in the eye and he would say to them calmly, don't worry, Marine, God is with us all today. And just act. And his arm was nearly blown off. And he just continued on. Walking from foxhole to foxhole, carrying Marines, praying over the dead, rendering aid, comforting. I mean, he would just, same thing with, uh, with Colonel Ripley. He had a mission to do. He engaged his faith and he saw to the task. Adrian. Yeah, the, uh, I thought, um, Mr. Zachariah could talk a little bit about, uh, him being off the battlefield because I, I, I know when I was uh, looking at the, reading the book, uh, it seems as though what he's really, some of the most heroic things he did, um, and what he considered himself to be more heroic was the things he did off the battlefield. Absolutely. Uh, very good point. And you're, you're totally right. What he did off the battlefield is more heroic. So, um, Colonel Ripley after, after the Don Hall Bridge and he, he became a, he was a, uh, an instructor at the Naval Academy in Annapolis. And <clears throat> while he was there, the whole issue of, uh, allowing homosexuals in the military came up and, um, Colonel Ripley stood, uh, gave a testimony in front of a, uh, congressional, uh, committee, uh, uh, about, uh, about, you know, about banning homosexuals from, from the armed forces. And, you know, he gave it obviously a very civil, very civil, very polite, very legal way, but that took a lot of moral courage to mm. stand up. Um, his career, could have been sacked, um, but but he did it anyways. Uh, another example is Hollywood approached Colonel Ripley to uh, ask him to if they could make a movie on him. Uh, it would make a great movie, that's for sure. But uh, Colonel Ripley gave two requirements. The first was that his character uh, had to remain faithful to his wife. Wow. In, in the movie. Amen. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Praise be to and Jesus. The second was that his character uh, had to use clean language. Clean, clean language could never utter a, a foul language because wow. I said I never dirtied myself with those two things. Let me tell you, I served in the Marine Corps. 
You stand out like a sore thumb if you do not curse like a Marine. Yes. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Yes. That's, uh, wow. Praise yeah. be to Jesus. Yeah, and of course, Hollywood being Hollywood never made the movie. You know, it's but, fascinating uh, you bring that up. Let me take a side tangent just really quickly here, uh, somewhat related to that. So I've had the, the incredible honor of talking, uh, of sharing the story of Sergeant Roy Benavides, who similarly oh, yeah. uh, did not uh, die in combat, although they tried very hard to kill him several times. Uh, I've shared his story on this radio program in the past. I've also had the wonderful honor of speaking to his family members. His, his daughter has been a guest on my show. Uh, I spent time uh, with his nephew. I'm just, it's been an honor to really, uh, I met him when I was 17 years old. At, at any rate, um, similarly, Roy, um, Roy was a faithful Catholic. He wasn't a perfect Catholic, but he was a faithful Catholic. And and when he died, he had some very famous friends, let's just say, because he spent the last years of his life touring the country and the world, trying to get kids like me to stay off drugs. And so he met a lot of people, and after Ronald Reagan gave him the Medal of Honor. And uh, so he had an actor friend who promised to make his movie after he died. His actor friend never made the movie. So years and years passed. And the actor friend, whose name I don't want to give out, uh, sold the rights to the movie to the producers who made We Were Soldiers, which is the company that Mel Gibson owns. And uh, the family uh, gave me an opportunity to send those producers an email. Um, I never got a reply, but the idea was, and I said, um, they said they would forward the email on I sent to them. And what I said to them was, I think you're the right team to make an incredible movie about this man's life. But if you make a movie about a man who ha- who did something heroic and his faith wasn't for- first and foremost prime place in, in the storyline, then you will have uh, yeah. robbed Roy's legacy because that's who Roy was. Roy, you know, Roy did what he did because of his faith and who he is. So similarly, Colonel Ripley, uh, I, I'm very proud of him for standing his ground and saying, yeah, it's great to have these, these stories told, but if you're going to tell a story uh, other than what it really was, then what's the point, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no atheist in the foxhole, and Colonel Ripley, like you said, I think Colonel Ripley's story is, is great, and that's why we, we promote it so much is because it's, it's, a, it's a very good example of how the spiritual warrior the spiritual life is a very important element in the physical warrior being a man being a real man amen um and 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 so you you cannot separate the two turn your mic on teresa (laughs) as 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 y'all were talking about supernatural faith um it reminded me of a um video that the catholic vote actually posted recently or today rather um that about Father Tim Vacock saying that he had supported the 44 Corps Support Battalion and he had been involved with them and um, served with them. And on his 12th, the 12th anniversary of his priesthood, he actually, rather than being at home with his, you know, congregation, they, you know, at, at home, he was out serving them and he went out to the field um, and served Mass. And on his way back, he his vehicle exploded. He, they they hit a, a bomb on the road, and so he actually was wounded very um, and and he ended up dying years later from those wounds. 
but um he had he was quoted as saying the safest place for me to be is in the center of God's will and if that's in the line of fire that's where I will be. Amen. And I mean that just really hit me because I was like how many times do we have those little moments in our daily life where we're like I feel like I'm under fire and I feel like I don't deserve to be here or or I feel like I'm having to take a step forward to defend someone that I may not even know personally. Right. And, and there we are. We have that opportunity. And so in those little moments, we can remember our, you know, our brave soldiers who are laying down their lives. We're not actually dying for this. And sometimes we can think like, well, it'd be easier to die than to like have to live with this. Mm. But the reality is Mm -hmm. it's those little decisions that give us the courage to be that, that martyr for the faith that give us the courage to be, um, to build that better world. Yeah, amen. And uh, we only have about a minute left here, and I, I wish I had more time because I was just thinking of to, uh, trustful surrender to divine providence mm-hmm. when you were talking about that, Teresa. So maybe in the after show we'll, we'll talk about that a little more. But uh, we're just about out of time here in our conversation with Zachariah Long from the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. And again, I have linked to the ballad, the video, the ballad uh, of the American Night. I've also linked to the book. And uh, we're going to be linking to tfp.org. Is there a better website, Zachary? Where would you encourage people to go to to learn more about the TFP? Oh, no, that's exactly it. tfp.org is our official website. I mean, we have many websites. uh, Returntoorder.org is another one if you want to put on there. But, yes, tfp.org explains our organization and everything we do. Absolutely. Well, uh, Zachariah, thank you for your time today. I'm really grateful to you to, uh, to, to be on with us, to share the story of Colonel Ripley and, uh, and also share the work of the TFP. I think it's very important work. It reminds me of, uh, you know, just the, the need for, especially for young men in particular, to stand up, to be fervently Catholic, uh, to love uh, others so much that you would be willing to stand out and, and to pray and to protest that which is an injustice justice in society and to stand up for that which is right and i think tfp is doing that so thank you for that zachariah no thank you joe it's uh it's the call of knighthood in each in each of our souls so that's what we desire to be american knights (laughs) amen amen praise be to jesus christ okay so uh zachariah you're welcome to hang out if you'd like uh we're gonna go uh, off the air and then we'll be back on the the after show if you'd like to hang out you're welcome to but i'm gonna place you on hold uh we're about to uh we're about to leave all across the guadalupe radio network and i want to wish you and your family an incredible day but i really want to emphasize the need to stop and remember memorial day for its true purpose and intent to think of those that have given that last full measure, those that have laid their life down for the defense, the service of others. Hi, this is Janet, owner of St. Francis Religious Gifts on Highway 6 North in Northwest Houston. St. Francis Religious Gifts is proud to partner with AM 1430 KSHJ to serve the Catholic community of Houston. We sell religious items for baptism, First Communion, Confirmation, or just to improve your spiritual life. You can visit the Shrine of Blessed Miguel Pro with first-class relics here in the store. You can learn more about us at stfrancisreligiousgifts.com. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. 
Blessed be his most sacred heart. Blessed be his most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary Most Holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Amen.